Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Suzanne is a social worker who works with special needs kids for a nonprofit organization. At the beginning of the pandemic, it was as if the world was falling down around her as the organization severely tightened its belt in order to simply try to get by and get through. You know, I was thinking about that, and it's been so long ago, but you think something so significant you would remember. Um, I know I probably heard, saw bits of it in social media, and then my very, very, very smart, intelligent friend group obviously actively talks about the news and everything, and then that got really real, and we were keeping each other updated, and then you saw more news and media, and then I signed up for the, um, the MLive texts um they had that free texting system and they gave updates several times a day and that that's what kept me the most informed i knew right away and i'd be texting the other supervisors and things so yeah it was really neat uh they actually just ended it they didn't have funding for it they were only planning to do it for a couple months and that obviously was not the case so they ended it um so i don't follow it anymore but yeah so like literally day by day cases and the updates and what was going on in the area and very, yeah, it was very intense play-by-play. I think I remember hearing about it in like January, February, that it was a thing. And then I definitely, we were tracking when it was coming, like, oh, it's not in Michigan yet. Oh, it's not. And then when it hit, like, I knew the second it did. I mean, I was tracking it before that. Um, So it was definitely like, I was watching it as it was, when it hit the country, I was paying attention didn't start freaking out until March, obviously, when it hit our state, but. (laughs) It's just a way of life now. It's really interesting. I don't think it'll, I don't think we'll ever go back to what our normal was. I think there will always be an anxiety about crowds and things and, you know, safety and awareness. Definitely not, like, I've learned to live with it so it doesn't keep me up at night, Um, especially since I'm vaccinated. Yeah, not too worried about it. It's just it's like a weird part of our lives that we just deal with because when you have a trauma, it's constantly there. Eventually, your body's going to like try to normalize it, right? Your mind and everything. You just have to. I think the biggest thing about it that made me have that, I was forced to have that evolution is I'm a supervisor. I'm responsible for a group of six people that I work with very closely and our whole team is a group of 18 working with three other supervisors. So like, I, I, you know, in the beginning I was panicked and I needed to know because I have other people looking to me for answers. So that kind of forced me to have that responsible role. Like 
definitely in the beginning, I was panicking and obsessed. I obsess over things that give me anxiety to have control over it, but I think it turns the other way where it's controlling me. And my husband's like, you gotta stop. Like, and I would be like, do you wanna know the update? Cause I'm but like, I get this sick obsession with needing to know what exactly is going on because knowledge is power, right? And I needed all the power I could get in this very powerless situation. So that knowing that research and stuff, even though I may have been like a little obsessive at first, I think it was very helpful and important to be informed and to inform my family and my, you know, my supervisees. And it was that kind of panic. And then it had to go into action mode. Like I had to know what to do. I had to put, do my part. I had to do that. And then because I'm a social worker and I see deal with traumas and things, I kind of had that. I was equipped for that to happen I just kind of like stop panic I'm like you are in work mode now you have got to get through this and just realizing that you can't control this this is the point where you break and you say I can't control this but here's what I can control and here's what I will do and here's who I will surround myself with and that kind of thing and if they can't I'm, I'm done you know so it's just taking control of what you can and just I, in my mind to help myself prepare I kind of set myself up for the worst and I'm like okay well Here's the reality of it. And then if things are better, great. And me socially, I think is a big a hard thing for people to evolve, to get to normal. Cause they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen people. I'm an introvert. I talk to people all day. And at five o'clock, I don't want to talk to anybody. Cause I literally talk all day to people and they need me all day. So that I actually, I think my like dealing with it happened a lot quicker in that way. When I had other people like suffering and they needed me, I just, and I actually couldn't. I had less energy, but you know, like people were struggling socially and oh my God, I miss you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I have no spoons. <laughs> like I already didn't at five o'clock, but I really don't now. And I kind of just let myself go into that isolation because that's what I needed to do. And it was just duty after that. It was duty and just knowing that, okay, this is gonna be around for a while. Okay, this is gonna be a long, around for a really long while and okay panicking at this point is not going to help you in the beginning you need panic to get you to the form of survival you need but then after that your panic is it just it does not serve you it does not serve you so i kind of dealt with that way and i ended up being like a leader for my even my family and things like this is what it is don't be an idiot <laughs> um and and for my employees too they were all looking to me to be the calm person so i could be panicking inside but i to anybody else only my husband could hear that, you know, or my therapist. I know the numbers are going way down here in Kent County. My husband just returned to work at the mall. It's still behind plexiglass <laughs> when he's servicing. Numbers are definitely down, but I'm very worried about the mask mandate changing. Um, so I'm curious to see how that's going to affect numbers, even though our, we are very well vaccinated here in Kent County. When um, the governor said like, yeah, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear mask coverings. It's gonna, it'll change because there's no accountability that can be had for that. Unless you say, hey, show me your card, which is a violation of privacy. There's, I, I I get that you want to say that, and unless you have a really good way and you chip us, which nobody wants and nobody wants to do, but honestly, what else are you going to do except like <laughs> scan you for it? Like, what are you going to do? You can't. So I, it's bound to, it's bound to go up and with all the different variants and everything that is happening now, who knows? So safe, but don't be silly.
I definitely um, have gotten to learn what my anxieties are and how to deal with them. Um, even though I'm an introvert and I dealt pretty well with being alone with my husband, definitely had to learn that piece because even though I think I'm fine, you're, you, you think you're fine, you're not. Uh, and it just all would boil out, down and I still had all these other responsibilities. So I really had to learn to like compartmentalize it and deal with my anxiety. It was not easy, but having other people who do count on you all the time helped me to keep that in check. I think one of the first things that's just so doesn't matter now, my husband and I like to go out a lot and that was our quality time. That was our thing that connected us, you know, go out and have a nice cocktail or something and really having to learn like, no, you have to be able to connect just sitting in a room together. Um, that's really affected our relationship. Even though we do drive each other nuts sometimes, I hear people saying, oh my God, being in the same house with my significant others drives me crazy. I'm like, we've never been closer. Like there are times when I'm just like, hey, you need to go to another room, but thank God we moved. So we do have separate spaces to go to in, you know, in the home. We moved during, oh, yeah, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, we moved during a pandemic and that happened because of the pandemic. So in that way, it's affected my life very positively because, because I was working from home, if I was at the office, I have to be there nine to five or six or whatever. And I, going to an open house, I, I don't think so. But with the pandemic and me working from home, I wasn't going to have to be at a meeting or I could schedule out that hour time block because I was at home. We would not have gotten a house if I was not working from home. And, and my husband was also laid out, well, like not working. He was out of work. Um, they weren't doing um, remote working yet for them. So he was just getting paid leave and, and he was available all of a sudden at the same time as me. So that, that was the only reason uh, that we got, we got a house. We were able to take the time to do that. Cause I could, we, I, we were, our schedules were so flexible and you need to go then. Like if you find a house, you better go be going the next day to that, you know, to see the house because they're putting in offers right away, you know, like that. I was able to take that time to do that to get my first home. And the stim check helped with their, their, their down payment. I mean, I don't know if we would have be in this house, which is crazy to think, <laughs> but so that was a huge thing that affected our lives and just learning how important it is to also keep up with people socially, although it's very difficult, just learning the value of it because I can't have it. You know, that's something that's really affected our lives as well, even though we still are not half as good as that we should be with keeping up with people, but we know the value of it and time with each other, even though we're in the same house. I think that was hard, hard for some people to understand, even though you're in the same home, you still go back to your work life and you don't have time for each other, even though they're like, you know, so if a friend said, hey, can we have a distance, whatever, you know, I'd be like, I, I need I need the weekend. And they're like, well, you're with your husband all the time. Nobody would actually say it out loud, but I know they're thinking it. And I was like, but I haven't. We've been in the same room, but we've not been together. We've not been together. Like sitting on the couch, zoning out, eating dinner, watching a show is not together. We needed a quality time. So it's learning the importance of that no matter what's going on in life or what people think, you have to still prioritize that time, whether in the same vicinity or not. And that's so important. And we've carried that through now. I mean, when it's not over. So technology is the reason that I got to keep my job this entire time while everyone else was out of work. And I have a lot of friends in the service industry from that, like the day we like switched to, you know, we were, you know, quarantine or what have you, I was able to work from home. I was such a blessing. 
technology this has also affected technology in the way that like we will never go back to all in person we're now i'm never going to have an office again i'm not you know i mean that's fine like working from home is a thing people seeing clients and having meetings virtually is not going away i'm so happy that our it team and everything and our nonprofit was so incredible they were going to make this happen right away and make it as functional as possible and work through the issues and all of that but i've never I've never had to stop working. That's, I am so thankful for that. I'm so beyond thankful, especially as a social worker, like please, of a nonprofit. Oh, there's, it's so, it, it could be so scary, but we figured it out. Like we've always had the technology for that and it keeps getting better. Very important. And keeping it up with friends, you know, for mental health. Like I was, I would never video chat, but one of my friends is like, I need to talk to you every week. So Friday nights were our date night and we'd talk, you know, on video, like it, it, that was so important and integral to mental health as well. Not just a phone call. I needed to see you. I need to see you. And now I do a lot more video chats with people. I hate, I'm okay. Uh, texting's okay with communication, but like, I don't like phone calls. I don't like, I'd want to see you. That's when you're going to get me. <laughs> so I've learned that about myself as well. It's helped me learn about myself even more with technology and how important it is and how much we need it. I can't imagine being like pre-social media world or pre-just internet world and going through this. How? How would information get through? How? how? I can't imagine. Cannot imagine. There was one day with our program and our, and our agency that was a big blow. So it's when the financial strains were very, very obvious. And I, you know, we would get regular emails, but my, you know, my supervisor said, hey, there's something coming, you know, like be aware of it. We have to be ready for, you know, for people and that kind of thing. And one email in one day. So one, our CEO left and he shared all this news right before he left. So that was cool. But we were told that because that we had to do extreme budget cuts, one of them was our office building where I have been and had an office in forever. And we had already been remote from there and not been there. We had to move out. We could not fund that building anymore. And we had to go into a shared space where we couldn't work anyway. So that was huge. We had to cut our directive, uh, director of inclusion, equity, um, and diversity, which was an incredible position that we were like fighting for for so long to help with diversity and inclusion within our agency and with our client, like our clients in our community. And we literally hired someone to handle this. We had to let it go that day. He found out that day that he had to go. The same day we found out that we had to cut, we had to close our residential homes. We had to close two of them, I think. We had to, um, we lost, and we lost other staffs too, staff. We had to close two other programs. There, and our retirement was affected. We, they didn't have matching, literally all in one email. And they're like, effective immediately, these people are gone. And I had to have two seconds of panic and then waiting for a thousand phone calls for my team being like, what happens next? Because what a blow. And that was the most terrifying thing. And I was like, I don't know if we're, our agency is going to stay open. This is scary. Thankfully, our program is the biggest one of the entire agency. So we have a little more, we're a little more okay. But seeing all those programs being taken away like that, 
was one of the most terrifying days of my life that made it very real that this is not financially sustainable for a nonprofit. And all our donors that usually keep us going, guess what? They're out of work, they're in debt, they're trying to struggle to put food on their table. All of a sudden they can't just give you the whatever, how much money they give us every month. They can't, they cannot. So that is very scary, very scary for us. It happened on March 5th, uh, March 5th of 2020. So yeah, our, oh, our ABA program had to close. So that's autism therapy, which is a big, again, a dream of our program. We had to close that down. So we were actually providing ABA therapy. Again, it's a far off dream that became a reality. And that one worker who was running and created this whole program with my supervisor done in one day, one day. I guess one thing that I'm thinking about is, you know, moving forward, life won't be the same. I don't think mask, I'll ever not wear a mask when I'm sick or other people around me are sick. I think this has taught me new things about hygiene and, and just awareness of your environment and just not worrying about it. Like it's gonna be a different world. I'm thankful for that. I mean, I haven't had a cold in a year, you know, so just learning those things, you know, I remember mask wearing, like when I saw in Japan, everyone's wearing masks, you know, big, the big pictures of the crowds and you're like, huh, that's weird. And I remember the first time I had a mask on in the store and I got, I, I did it as soon as I could. And people looked at me weird because they weren't, I was the only one in the store. And I was like, you'll see, oh, you'll see. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, this is a thing that I'm adopting. There's a lot of things that I will definitely be adopting um, and keeping moving forward for sure. Another thing that is very scary to me is thinking about having a child with my husband. My best friend had a, a kid during this and he's still afraid of people. And that really made me think, and all of my, our kids with developmental disabilities who are just going into crazy crises during this time, our on-call phone was, I mean, there are kids in the hospital constantly. Uh, you know, just having meltdowns because of this ch crazy change and just what those families had to go through, not only not having childcare or anything, but overnight they didn't know why they weren't going to school and they need routine. Our kids need routine and just having that ripped away from them. And in schooling, like in school sports, those kids literally could not get anything from virtual learning. They couldn't even sit at the computer. They lost a year of learning. Everybody, even neurotypical people of all ages have lost a year of learning, no matter if they've gone to school or not. But also those very young children who were born during this time, they are going to be so behind socially and emotionally and just there's so much growth that you don't even realize happens me as a professional who literally is what our program helps with they are not going to be like the people the children who were brought up before this time and that makes me scared i feel like can i when do i start trying to have a kid because i'm not afraid of my health or getting COVID or anything while pregnant i get to not worry about that but what world is a child going to be raising? Can they go on a play date when their brain is like so elastic that th that that's a huge anxiety of mine that is super real, very real. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, Share it, because it will probably mean something to someone else.
Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.